0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Bladed Apples, a horror podcast dropping your trick-or-treat bag every week and hosted by two guys that have been to the New York subway tunnels but have never eaten a human being that I know of. I'm Rocky.
1: Don't speak for me.
0: (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) I'm Blaze. And that's right. On today's episode, we're talking about Chud. Which is kind of our Thanksgiving episode, I guess, because... uh, It's the Leftovers episode. It's the Leftovers episode, (laughs) you know, so you can eat on some leftovers with the Cannibal movie, I guess. I don't know. This is also a uh, viewer request.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, uh, see, you guys can request things. We'll talk about it. We actually talked about this one pretty quickly, but... uh, Yeah. Because we got recommended this uh, about a week ago, so... Thank Uh, you, Kevin. Yes. Um, Also... We're going to have another entry into Blaze's Cabinet of Video Game Curiosities, and we're going to have another entry into mythology biology. Right? We got another We got another story today? Nope. We don't have one? No, we do. Oh, okay. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Fuck me, I guess. No,
1: I just decided not to prepare. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but before all that, how you doing, buddy?
1: Uh, not too bad. Uh, I have... Uh, fiery poops the past few days and my butthole is on fire consistently. Um, Yeah, it has been bad. It feels like somebody's been punching my asshole.
0: (laughs) This is the content you get whenever you listen to Bladed Apple's podcast. So, uh, if it's your first time joining us, you better strap in real quick. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, um, I I have not had that. I've not had that problem. But um good for you. <laughs> everything has been pretty regular. <laughs> um how you Can't tell I'm
1: sitting on my knees.
0: <laughs> like, you forgot to bring your donut with you. Yeah. Um <laughs> Um <laughs> This is how we're starting guys. Strap in. Um <laughs> How was your Thanksgiving? Other than other than maybe bleeding from your hemorrhoids,
1: <laughs> uh, it was good. I uh, went over and saw mom, and we just watched a bunch of old uh, horror movies and such. Oh yeah, anything good? Oh yeah, we, uh, one I actually never watched with Vincent Price The Bat.
0: Oh yeah, Bat's good.
1: Yeah, it was a good one. It's a very good Who Done It.
0: Yeah, they have that uh one iconic image from that movie that that comes up a lot. Like if you look up Vincent Price or like Google them, they have that one image from that movie shows up a lot in google searches people repost a lot yeah we watched that and uh the old dark house that's a great one yeah i think that's uh james wells uh who directed frankenstein yeah james and wells and
1: yeah he, he, i think he did bat too he did he i i think so because i remember seeing the name and i was like oh man i feel like i saw this in the last movie yeah
0: james wells directed uh frankenstein bride of frankenstein the invisible man three of the best universal classic universal monster movies and uh, he did a few off the beat, universal horror movies as well, and uh, The Old Dark Houses is, is one of them. Really good, underrated, super ahead of its time. Like visually yeah, uh, and how it's all shot and all that. I think the only
1: thing that throws me off is the mumbling of Boris Karloff. <laughs> 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 he just doesn't sound threatening. He just sounds like handicapped.
0: <laughs> you leave him alone. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. That's a, that's a actually a, a very good film. I would like to talk about that more on a future episode sometime. But next week. We say <laughs> check it out. Check it out. Check it out. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, did, I didn't do much. I went to visit the parents for a few hours. I um, had, had Thanksgiving dinner lunch whatever you know early dinner it always seems like when you go to thanksgiving dinner it's always early it's like 3 p.m 4 yeah, p.m yeah no, thing. we ate at like 2 <laughs> yeah and uh hung out with them a little bit my mom was falling asleep a lot at where she's been up all day like cooking and stuff and poor thing you know i was just like uh i'm just gonna head home you know and um let yeah, them watching rest football and everything yeah I was just like all right I'll, I'll see you guys later so not a whole lot not a whole lot happened on thanksgiving for me did a lot of uh, black friday shopping <laughs> A lot of online shopping. Bought a little bit too much for Vinegar Syndrome, like I always do. Whenever it's halfway to Black Friday or the Black Friday stuff. So I got a huge stack of shit for us to watch. Um, a lot of stuff from Severin. And a bunch of different clothing companies and stuff. So, Black Friday has been quite busy.
1: Yeah, I'm hoping that people will have good Cyber Mondays, because I don't get paid till then.
0: <laughs> well, a bunch of the uh, clothing websites are going till, uh Going through Monday with their Black Friday sales.
1: Man, I hope I can g- get a few. So.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you would be fine. Yeah. Uh, other than that, have you watched anything good this week or anything since our last episode? No. No? <laughs> no, just, no. just those classic films? Yeah, like, just those classics. Yeah, well, there's nothing wrong with that. I actually watched a really good movie last night um,
1: called Pig. Is that the one with isn't not Nicolas Cage? Uh-huh. It yeah, is Nicholas Nicolas Cage, Cage. Yes.
0: Is it good? It's great. Um, okay, so I felt like I had to give Nick Cage a little redemption because last episode, Prisoners of Ghostland, I land. talked a lot yeah. of shit about Prisoners of the Ghost, were, uh, Prisoners of the Ghostland, which uh, I do not recommend. But Nick Cage is good in it. Uh, last last week, I said I'm gonna unabash Nick Cage fan whenever he has the right material, he can elevate it. If he gets a director that tries to reel him in, it's gonna be bad. Whatever. With Pig, for people that don't know, it's a movie about Nick Cage is a truffle hunter. Uh, he lives out in a shack, all by himself, with the exception of a pig. He has he has a truffle hunting pig that he lives with, um, and that's what they do. He's kind of just lives alone, and for all intents and purposes, he's a crazy woodsman. And he sells this young guy played by Alex Wolf, who you would know as the son from Hereditary. Oh, okay. And he's kind of like this hotshot, like, drives like a Camaro, like, business ass guy. Yeah, assholy type character from like the city. And he sells them these mushrooms and stuff. And then one night, he gets these two people show up to his house, knock him out and steal his pig. And that's all I'll say about what the plot is because this movie is very reserved and quiet but every time you think it's going to turn into something else or go into a generic fashion of a revenge tale or whatever it doesn't it's actually a very empathetic film and it's very uh has has a lot to say about loss and grief and coming to grips is with it your a horror grief. no it's not a horror movie oh okay uh it's not a horror film uh it's like a revenge. You think it would be like some type of revenge type thing because it has like this similarity to like John Wick, where he where kills like, the pig. Well, the pig isn't get, doesn't get killed; it just gets captured, and now he's trying to find this pig. Oh, okay. Um, so him and him and this guy he sells to this young kid. They they kind of go off on their own, trying to figure out where this pig is. and He has to go into the big city of Portland <laughs> to try to find it. And uh, I, I don't know. It's it's for Nick Cage it's a great performance because it's not him being like crazy and over the top. It's actually like shows how good of an actor Nick cage can be. He's very reserved. He's very stoic in this and he's amazing in the film. The film is great. It's one of the best films of the year easily. And after a year, a couple years of everything we've dealt with <laughs> in, in the world of all this anger and all this rage and, and all this fear and all that, it's, it's good to watch a movie that really just dwells or focuses on just this story of not only empathy but of kind of coming to grips with not only your own tragedies but also where you are in life and where you want to go from here on out okay and right now you can go on Amazon Prime this movie came out this year it's it, i wanted to see it in theaters but it was in and out theaters really quick like Because it's not a Marvel movie (laughs) or anything like that, right? So you can rent on Amazon Prime right now for $3, and it's worth every penny. It's only an hour and a half long. If you're thinking it's going to be some horror film or it's going to be like crazy, over-the-top, like action film, like John Wick or Nobody or like any of the thousand Liam Neeson or Bruce Willis revenge films that get put out every fucking week, it's not that. But it's a really good character study. It's never boring. Like there's this whole world without without spoiling anything. There is this world that's kind of getting you know uncovered as you're going along in the film. It keeps you engaged about like, well, what is this guy's past? What what is because he's something more than he's saying he is and what is this whole thing that we're kind of connecting into. And the best way I can put it is that it's very similar by the end to a certain Pixar movie that I won't say what Pixar movie it is because I feel like it'll spoil what the main plot of the film is. Up. Uh, no, it's not up. I mean, in some ways, it's kind of like up because it is about loss and stuff. But um, uh, it it, it has a very similar. It's this particular Pixar movie for adults. I'm not talking shit about Pixar movies because I think a few episodes we talk about how much we love Pixar films and how it makes us cry. That's so, true. So it has a lot of similarities to a particular Pixar film. Uh, but it is really, really good. Coco. It is. It is. Stop trying to guess. <laughs> it's not Coco. Toy um, Story. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck he's a toy, no. <laughs> um but uh yeah, just it's 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 one of the best, if not the best movie this year I've seen. And it's not a horror film, and it's it's a fresh breath a breath of fresh air, fresh breath. A fresh, a fresh breath. breath of fresh air. A breath of fresh air in, in uh and in, you know a year. It's a movie that's chewed a lot of winter <laughs> it's, it's <good. laughs> Yes. It it's good to watch a movie that isn't a fucking franchise film isn't a reboot isn't a remake isn't th- a yeah. horror film you know I, I mean we're a horror podcast but it's good to have something that that can be a film about something and still be interesting without having to rely on a genre and still so be an engaging film that's about something and means something and and kitchen and the fills and it's an amazing film you should check it out on on instagram i put a post on my story i give it 9.5 out of 10 that's high praise.
1: Yeah, that's really. Um. Cool.
0: So, rock, rock, Bob says, Ch- check out. it out, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So, pig, watch it. It's worth a rental. Three bucks, guys. It's it, it, less than a cup of coffee. Give it a watch. I can't recommend it high enough. And uh, yeah, that's what I had to say about that.
1: Nice. I'll yeah. have to check that out.
0: Um, I don't think I have any other stories. It's been kind of a slow news week because of Thanksgiving and everything, with the exception of Black Friday sales. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's about all this week, unless you want to add anything. Can't really think of anything, no. Okay, well then we'll go right into our main topic, which is 1984's Chud. Beneath the city of New York are living catacombs. An endless maze of subterranean tunnels. Unfit for anything human. Unauthorized for anything experimental. Hold it!
1: They start moving up ahead at the top!
0: And unlikely to bring anyone down there. So... They're coming up. Chud. Yeah, so we're talking about Chud this week, uh, as you can tell by our intro clip. Yay, production value. Yay. yay moving on up
1: in the world, kids. Thank you, YouTube MP3 composers. <laughs>
0: Don't sue us. I'm so <laughs> professional. <laughs> uh, yes, Chud, 1984, directed by Douglas Cheek. This was the only thing he directed. <laughs> Didn't he do a movie called Cla- Claustrophobic? Uh, I think he edited a claustrophobic or he may, he may have co-directed it. Oh, okay. Well, um, I wrote ma- that down because <laughs> that known, was like
1: his top build. Yeah.
0: He's known mainly as a editor. Um, he's edited a lot of things. I think this is his only feature film or one of his only feature films. <laughs> Featuring
1: the cast of Home Alone.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, well, we'll, we'll get into that actually. Um, I, I did some background research and everything. um, but what what all? Uh, should we explain the story first? Or do you want some background first? Let's do the story first. Okay. You want to explain or you want me to? You go ahead. Okay. So, Chud is a story of cannibalistic humanoid underground, underground dwellers. dwellers. Yeah. There I we just go. to join in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it takes place in New York City. And we follow. I. <laughs> Who, well, we follow, uh, we'll see our main character is, uh, okay. <laughs> well, we don't really have, a, we follow a, 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 a group of, of people, paid. three people <laughs> so, mainly. Yes. Uh, th- this movie really doesn't have a main character. It follows three different people, uh, which is kind of a detriment to the film. We'll get into later on in my opinion. Fuck uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well I'm going to talk shit about Chud. I love Chud. <laughs> Chud is all right. Um, So, for all intents and purposes, we'll say our main character is played by John Hurd, who plays a photographer named George Cooper. And George used to be a fashion model photographer. He used to be a fashion photographer who left his career behind. To do nothing, really? (laughs) I I don't know why to Um, blow
1: everyone off
0: (laughs) (laughs) to be a complete fucking dickhead.
1: (laughs) Um, Like, Hey, you know, that project you said you were going to have a month ago.
0: (laughs) Yeah. He's, he's now a photographer, I guess for a newspaper or for some type of, uh, some type of tabloid or something like that. He completely ignores his deadlines, his bylines to shoot homeless people in New York city. Um, not with a, with a camera. Yes, yes, not <laughs> not not with a gun. Yeah, sorry, to, to to shoot them as a photographer, uh, because he's working on some piece about the bomb population in, in the New sewers. York, in the sewers, for some reason, actually, it's never really explained why no. he gives a fuck at all. Um, he lives in a loft with his uh, with his girlfriend, who's a model, um, and he's basically just a bum. <laughs> He's, he dresses like, kind of like a bum. He's always just sweaty for some reason. It looks like he probably smells <laughs> terrible. Yeah, he probably doesn't smell great. <laughs> um, the other characters we follow in this is Daniel Stern as uh, AJ Reverend Shepherd, who runs a soup kitchen for the homeless. Yep. And uh, uh, Chris Curry, who plays a detective
1: captain,
0: uh, captain Bosch. Yeah. Captain Bosch. Um, who is policeman. That's, that's, that's his character. He doesn't play by the rules. He does. I mean, he kind of does. <laughs> no, <Nuh-uh. laughs> I, I mean, I mean, his rebelling is, is literally just having a meeting in a boardroom with the police chief and the second, with the commissioner and the police chief. That's his rebellion. <laughs> Um, well uh, he
1: they told him not to send men down there with his group and he did
0: yes yes anyways I'm getting off topic. The main thing is we follow these guys as they investigate uh, the homeless population is going missing in Soho most of this movie takes place mainly in Soho in New York City. And uh, they're trying to figure out, what what, what, ha- what happened to all these homeless people? And they all have different reasons to, to wander and worry that, that we'll get into later on.
1: The police start caring when Christopher Curry's wife goes
0: missing. Yes.
1: Well, at least he does.
0: He doesn't even tell them. No, he just kind of, like, asks for random movie. files
1: from a very passive-aggressive lady. Yes.
0: <laughs> um. And soon we find out, if you couldn't tell, by the title of Chud, and what we said, cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers, uh, that, that's what's in the sewers. Uh.
1: Because they've been dumping a
0: bunch of toxic waste down there for years. Yes, and it's been mutating the homeless population into cannibals.
1: Monster thingies.
0: Yes, and that, that's, that's a plot of Chud. So, this movie was made by theater people. Okay, this is like snooty, upscale, like, indie theater new york people and how it came to be was that john hurd and daniel stern were were at a party together and uh shepherd abbott with with another theater guy named shepherd abbott and they were just shooting the shit at this party it was i don't know if it was a rap party or like something you know for a whatever. party
1: where everybody's rapping yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> the rapping uh, the rapping gifts Cause see, welcome to our Christmas episode. <laughs> they met at the rap battle from Eight Mile.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Spaghetti everywhere. <laughs> yeah. all, all
0: over John Hurd and Daniel Stern. Uh John Hurd and Daniel Stern were were are talking to their friend Shepard Abbott, whose credit is writing the story for this, and they were just kind of shooting this shit. And these guys aren't horror guys or genre filmmakers, these are independent guys. John Hurd was on his way up. Uh, he had just done Cutter's Way, I think. He did a few other films. Daniel Stern had done Diner around this time. Was he
1: in Big before this or after? After. After. This. Yeah. Okay. Um, See, this propelled him. Yeah, this, this is it. <laughs> Chud is what made John Herd famous.
0: Well, it's actually kind of weird because Chud actually has a lot of really – like people that went on to pretty big careers or, yeah. or recognizable careers, which is funny – because all these people were actually independent actors. And this was, um, as Joe Bob, whatever he was talking about this movie, referred to it, they looked at this project as, quote-unquote, slumming it. Uh, they were like, oh, let's make a horror movie. Wouldn't that be just, like, so not us? Um, so they were kind of just talking at this party. John Heard, Daniel Stern, and uh, uh, Shepard Abbott. And Shepard Abbott's like, you know, we sh- what, what if there was a movie about, like, you know, there there's – we have all these sewer systems in New York City and all this, like, pipelines and everything like that. What if there was something alive under there? Actually, the trailer we played at the beginning of this conversation is basically his pitch during this party. And Daniel Stern and John Heard were very, were very much, we should do this. Yeah, why not? You should write it. But Shepard Abbott had no background in writing films at all. <laughs> I <It> made a <laughs> very, 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 very rough draft. That was almost unfunctional. Um, it went through different producers, went through different hands, and eventually it was rewritten by uh, Parnell Hall, who actually wrote the screenplay, who also didn't know how to write the screenplay. <laughs> um, but he is, also, he is a known uh, crime writer. He makes a lot of paperback detective novels. Uh, his, two big, his two big series is The Stanley Hastings Mysteries. And the Puzzle Lady Mysteries. No way. And he's – I don't know what those are. (laughs) There's been at least – me neither. But apparently both series, uh, my research, have at least like 18 books, 15 books each. Oh, wow. So he's written crime books for a long, long time. I think he's passed away now. I'm not sure. Um, And they hired their friend Douglas Cheek. If you're still alive, send us a message. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And they hired their friend Douglas Cheek to direct. Basically, this whole thing was um, John Hurt and Daniel Stern – uh, which, first of all, let's stop for a second and say who John Hurd and Daniel Stern are. Uh, we reference them a little bit. Uh, people will probably know them best because they work together quite a bit as, uh, as as they're both in Home Alone. Yep. Uh, the Home Alone films. John Hurd is Ma- Macaulay Culkin's dad. <laughs> Carly Macaulay. McCauley Jesus Macaul- fucking Calum. Christ. Macaulay Culkin's dad uh, in, in Home Alone. And Daniel Stern plays Marv. He plays one of the, uh, the, one of the Wet Bandits. Yeah, I was gonna say bandits, but the, burglars, I yes. think, is what we're thinking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what? Why don't they name the Wet Bandits? Oh, are they? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought, I thought that was their criminal duo name. Him and, him and no, Joe Pesci. I have no fucking. Anyways, <laughs> Daniel Stern and John heard they came up together in this New York theater scene. They were these very like hipster esque kind of theater people. Um, and they, they worked together a few times. They worked together in the Home Alone films. They worked together in uh, uh, the Malagro filled War, for uh, I think that's a Robert Redford film, uh, and and. So they they collaborate a lot, but people know Daniel Stern. If you've seen him, you'll definitely know who he is. City Slickers. City Slickers. Yeah. Diner. He was in a lot of indie films around this time. He's um, a good actor. Though. Yeah. Well, he's good. Both of them are good actors. Yeah, John Hurd. You couldn't tell by this fucking movie, but...
1: Um, I don't know what you mean. <laughs>
0: John John Hurd was in a lo- Was kind of becoming an indie darling in his own way. He's in a lot of things that were, were getting a lot of recognition. He was kind of on his rise of fame. It's actually kind of a shock that he didn't become a bigger actor than he was. But he's probably an actor that, that you've seen before also if you look him up um, because he, he's been bit roles a lot since then. And as far as Chris Curry, who's also in this movie, he was another friend of theirs who they worked with in the theater and uh, they wanted in the in the movie. Now he but went
1: on to some big ones.
0: He plays Johnny – people listening to this podcast probably know him best as Johnny Rico's dad in Starship Troopers. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's in a lot of different things. He's,
1: he's in just, the Sully – Mm-hmm. Which you know that got an Academy Award, didn't it?
0: Uh, I got nominated. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah, and uh, then he's in Flags of Our Fathers as well. Yeah,
0: he, he worked with Clint Eastwood a few times. Yeah, yeah. Um, but pretty much John Hurd and Daniel Stern, their whole deal was that they would take a, uh, they would take a cut on their pay, and they would just take in part of the profit. They'd, they'd take a percent wage of the incoming gross of the film. Oh, wow. Two hire all their friends for this movie. So all these different people well, that's cool. in the movie and stuff like that are all these other like snooty theater types from New York or whatever. Um, all the way to where uh, at the very beginning we see a woman get killed that's walking her dog. That's Daniel Stern's wife. No. No, that's Daniel Stern's wife in real life.
1: Oh, in real life? Yeah. Oh, I yeah, no like...
0: No, in the movie's spoilers, it's Christopher Curry's wife in, in the movie uh but but in in real life that's daniel stern's wife they're still married today really yeah how about and, that and um the the uh female police officer we mentioned earlier that doesn't want to do her fucking job is actually john Hurt's sister uh so they would just hire different family members and their friends from this whole area uh, including douglas cheek who was the director of the film which is a friend of theirs he's known <laughs> mainly as a editor mainly of documentaries uh, he's edited a lot of documentary films. Uh, you, can,
1: you can feel that in this movie. He edited this it's film also. It's very documentary-like.
0: <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> they also hired John Caglione uh, to do the makeup effects, which is actually kind of a get, because he did The Exorcist and he did The Amityville Horror. Uh, and uh, because of budgetary constraints, I guess they didn't give him enough money and enough time uh, the only thing he created for the monsters was the head and the hands. And yep. that's why when you watch this movie, you see a lot of hands and a couple quick shots of the head. They look great, though. Yeah, for, for, for the amount of time you had. There's no real scene where you see the full body really, like, focused. Like, usually if you see the full body, it's, like, pretty quick.
1: Yeah, like when they're, like, doing some weird worshipping thing in the sewers. Yeah, you see
0: it from the back real quick. Because um, the, the only thing he had time to really work on were the hands and the head. Which is kind of sad because you have the makeup artist and effects artists from The Exorcist to work on your film.
1: Well, he did do that really fun neck-stretching scene. You
0: see, that's, that's what I was going to say. That very Sam Raimi-esque type scene. Yeah. Um, where there is a part in the movie whenever John Hurt's girlfriend, uh, whose character is... Uh, well, her... Uh, it's... Uh, she's the... Uh, She's the girlfriend character. That, that's her whole thing. They even have this subplot where she becomes pregnant. They're
1: having a baby.
0: Doesn't fucking matter. Doesn't add anything to the fucking movie. Doesn't I do matter. love
1: how chill she is about it. She's like, do you want a baby?
0: Like, yeah, where well, they just lightly talk about having an abortion. I'm like, get rid of it. You live in the slums of New York. <laughs> like, in a loft. Um, the, the thing that gets me
1: about it is she's like, oh, I have a nice house that I own because it was my father's out in the suburbs of New York, and he's like, no, like we ain't living there. We're going to sell that for a loss and get a crappier apartment in New York, a great place to ri- raise a child. Yes.
0: <laughs> that's, that's, that's what you want to do. You want to raise your kid in, in uh, part of New York with a massive not only homeless population – a but a chud, a chud population as well <laughs> honey if he doesn't grow up knowing what chuds are how is he going to make it through this life <laughs> this is a um this movie came from also a huge wave of uh, toxic films uh movies about toxic horror films
1: like toxic avenger
0: yeah like toxic avenger and different horror well, it is different genre films uh is it not I don't think – was it produced by Tromo? I think so. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, Do you mind if I look it up? Yeah, I look it up. Uh, but uh, yeah, Toxic Avenger is the most popular from this. But but there's a wave of films that came after an event called Love Canal whenever a whole bunch of toxic waste was uh, dumped into the sewer system and a whole thing. Uh, and a whole bunch of movies – we're kind of focused on this whole, like, oh, no, what if this toxic waste made people into, like, mutants or, like, something else? And it was this whole scare. And this kind of came from the wave of those films. Um, so these high art kind of guys and theater guys made this film. And I think it's pretty clear, at least in my opinion. Now, Chud, a lot of people really love Chud. And, and I like Chud. I don't hate Chud. But I think you can definitely tell that this is no. A-
1: you're right. It's not a trauma. Film. Okay,
0: I didn't think it was.
1: I thought it was for some reason.
0: I was about to say what with the people that made the movie. I don't think they would ever slump low. N- like they slump low enough to be like, "Oh, we're gonna make a horror movie." Wouldn't that be ironic? But for them to be like working with trauma, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> like, never us. Um, I think it's pretty clear that these guys don't really have an affection for the genre. It feels like they don't really know how to make a horror movie.
1: Yeah, I could say, but I, uh, there's some about it that I love, though. Um, I think it captures the good uh, essence
0: of the '80s, kinda. In some ways, I, I think I. My, my problem with the film is really that, first of all, the pacing is dog shit. Yeah, it's a little. All the over pacing the place. is fucking dog shit and Um You're really having to focus on like, oh, we're focusing on these characters. Well, we'd have nobody to really cling on to. We're just jumping between these three characters, but none of them really have a backstory. Well, you have like character. three hero type characters. Yes, but we don't really like none of them are developed that much. They try to develop George Cooper, I guess, the most, which is John Herb's character, but none of it really matters because <laughs> who gives a shit? And, and also there's not enough horror beats in the movie. Like there's a lot of board meetings, <laughs> a lot of people just standing around talking. In the film, because and that's a budgetary question. I mean, it's they no Birdemic. But. They didn't did, oh, But what is? What is Birdemic? How is Birdemic? Why what is Birdemic? Birdemic? Yes. Um, is, is that you're focused on these characters, and every time it's like, oh, here's a horror beat where we should show this, like, oh, man, here's this looming thread of the, the, the chuds. And so we're going to have a board meeting talk about talking about, like, waste management and dumping toxic stuff with the EPA or whatever the fuck. <laughs> um, or so they think. Th- th- yes, th- th- those are our action beats. We don't see enough Chud action. Where we see the Chuds, we see them in profile. And then none, none of the... Bi- we, we see the after effects. I mean... We I see, think, like, a limb laying on I the ground. I think the most you see of them
1: is when the chud gets into the uh, apartment with his girlfriend.
0: yes, So it feels like we're a big part of the budget when is, is everybody gets kind of split off doing different things. And the, the girlfriend or fiance, or whatever is, is at the, at the art studio loft and a chud breaks in <laughs> to the apartment building for some reason from the basement, from the basement, from the sewer that she opened. Yeah. And, uh, Attacks her, and this is pretty good. Where it's, it's, it's head kind of its neck elongates, and she cuts it down with cuts, a katana, yeah, <laughs> slices it right in half because big, fucking swords. Thank god she had a big old <laughs> fucking sword, big fucking swords all over the walls of their of their art studio apartment. Um, and uh, that, that scene is actually pretty well done. It feels like that's where uh, John Caglione really focused his, his attention to. Um, um
1: I don't think, you know like you were saying that there was some good like facial close-ups during uh, the scene where they break into the diner mm-hmm. um which uh had uh John Goodman in there playing a police officer
0: yes, another uh small cameo uh, early a very pervy cat
1: calling police officer yes
0: yes uh it's pretty funny because also in this film uh Sam McMurray plays a police officer named officer Crespi. Um, he's kind of just a dumb cop. It Officer his, Crispy. Yeah. He gets, he gets his gun stolen by a homeless woman or she attempts to steal his gun. Yeah. And that's why she gets brought in a connection to the story. Um, Sam McMurray is, is a very well-known character. actor. he's been in freaks and geeks. He's been in, uh, uh, he was, he's also in Chud. He's in Chud. <laughs> this is very true. He is in Chud. If you saw him, you definitely know who he is. If you looked up Sam McMurray, um, I know him best as, in The Dinosaurs, he plays Roy, which is Earl Sinclair's best friend. <laughs> um, he does the voice of, of, of Roy. Uh, was he, he in the costume? Uh, I don't think he was in the costume. I think he just provided the voice of him. Oh. I think. Boo. Um, <laughs> uh, but him and John Goodman were also in Raising Arizona. Yeah. Uh, which Nick Cage was also in. So it does connect back in a Pig. We did it. Boom. <laughs> there we go. One
1: second. <laughs> Let me just... download a trailer for Pig really quick. <laughs> <A> pig. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, but John Goodman, uh, still, still just chewing the scenery in the, in that scene. He's just, uh, stands out very well. Uh, for, for the 30 seconds of a scene that John Goodman is in, there's something, something about it. You know
1: he's going to go on to do great things. And he
0: does. Like Roseanne. <laughs> he did. <laughs> and being being really fat at one point in his life and then losing a lot of weight later in life and looking sickly. Poor guy. We love you, John. Fucking guy. Uh, fucking guy. <laughs> fucking guy. Uh, yeah. So the Chods are, are running rampant. Not really. They didn't have a budget for that. <laughs> so every time, like like with that diner scene, whenever these cops and, and waitress get attacked, uh, we, we don't see it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, here's the thing about this movie. There was only
1: blood found. They yes. can't confirm any deaths, even though there was 30 gallons of blood.
0: Which, from what I understand, they moved that scene a lot. Yeah. Um, Originally, that movie was supposed to be closer to the beginning. At one point, it was supposed to be at the end of the movie. another point, it was supposed to be a stinger for a sequel. They, they moved that scene. They didn't know where they wanted to put that scene for a long time. So we're smack dab in the middle. Yeah, so just put it in the middle, which makes sense because the last act of this movie takes place with them boarding off that whole section of that block yeah. around the diner, um, which adds to a lot of the action, which, I, I, which leads to a bunch of the action, which I don't know why they were trying to figure it all out. Um, the thing about this movie is is even though these were a bunch of theater guys from New York, and it, it could be in part in part because the writer it could be in part the director wasn't very experienced, there's certain directors you get. And I'm a huge fan of a really grimy New York horror film or movie that that focuses on just like this kind of nastiness of nineteen seventies or early eighties New York, right? And this movie wants to be that, but never feels lived in. Enough. Minus the
1: fact Daniel Stern is consistently covered in dirt. And sweat. Yeah, He <laughs> looks like he smells. Is he
0: a homeless person in that movie? Is he a homeless person who just has a soup kitchen? I don't really know. I don't know what's going on with Daniel Stern in that. Um, he, is, he is going all out his performance, though. So he is really just chewing up the scenery. But unlike a um, Frank Henlauter or uh, Abel Ferreira, or a Larry Cohen, somebody that can, that is a genre filmmaker that can just get in that pocket, and work within it of making this feel like a New York film, no matter what the size of the budget is. This movie feels like, oh, I feel like I'm on a set, in every fucking scene, right? It feels like, oh, they, there's only like four sets. It's an apartment, it's a soup kitchen, it's a couple tunnels of a sewer. <laughs> And it's and it's a board meeting. Oh, and a really, really fake looking police police uh, headquarters. Yeah, police station. Um, That's all. It never feels like it needs to be this like New York. Like, oh, man, it's about poverty and feels about like the homeless population feels like it's trying to make a commentary about homelessness in the city and about how there's population control issues with that and all this stuff. It feels like it has all these like social issues on its mind, but never gives you a thrilling enough argument or compelling enough argument to really push that idea forward. And so we have a genre film that's just kind of a slow burn to a anticlimactic finish. I don't understand. (laughs) There's no battle with the chuds people. We see the chuds a few times for the movie the – the, the fi- spoilers, spoilers. Fast forward a little bit if you don't want to hear it. Our, our last scene is them is, – is is the guy that comes from the government The EPA it's impersonator a, but, guy. Yeah, because it's not the EPA. It's like the NRC or some shit um, where he's basically just a glorified trash man. He's <laughs> just like, I dumped the waste into the sewer system. We, we fixed it. We had this whole – because chud means something else. I didn't write it down. Chud actually stands oh, for
1: a containment hazard. Blech. Underwear development.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Underwear <laughs> diaper. Sponsored <laughs> by MeUndies. <laughs> MeUndies. Um, and and we're they're, not. They're, we're not. <laughs> Let me the, clear that up. <laughs> no, we are not. We're not sponsored by anybody. By ourselves. We're we really are the independent type guys. We're we're actually two. Too big for this podcast at this point. Which leads me into the next
1: topic. (laughs) Raid Shadow
0: Legends! (laughs) Play the commercial. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, But uh, they they have not really a showdown, I guess. They had to move a truck because John Hurd and Daniel Stern get stuck in the sewer. They try to get out of the manhole. They're filling the sewer with gas to kill the Cheds. Yeah, there's a truck. That, that's parked over, parked all the, over man the manhole because they're trying to seal the chuds in even though they could easily just run it, they only cover two manholes uh, and hope the chuds can't get out So we've seen uh, the problem is they said they covered a bunch more the I trust it problem is this New York City you know how many fucking manholes are in New York City uh, they cover two manholes on this block and then they uh, uh, Chris Curry uh, detective Bosch has to move one of the vehicles so he finds keys. Uh, by knocking out the the government guy. Gets in the vehicle, moves the vehicle. He gets shot by the government guy. Uh, John Hurd and Daniel Stern get out of the manhole. He Just, tries to run them over. tries to run them over. Uh, instead the Daniel girlfriend Stern, <laughs> searching
1: for John Hurd, George Cooper, whatever, Yeah. Uh, warns them that he's about to run them over. <laughs> yes. And they Dan- jump out of the way.
0: And Daniel Stern shoots them? Yeah, Daniel Stern him.
1: gets a gun and takes one really good shot
0: after after missing once or twice
1: once yeah and uh the car (laughs) car, car slightly goes into a manhole and explodes (laughs) like it is amazing very spongebob-esque
0: the tire goes into the manhole and then two seconds later it just goes you know from
1: my understanding we have conan o'brien to thank for that joke (laughs) Really? Yeah, because uh, do you remember the Simpsons episode uh, where Homer gets a DUI? Yeah. So uh, when Chief Wiggum is dressed up as the beer mascot and checks him and he gets pushed and falls down the hill and he just starts rolling and then he just lightly taps a tree and explodes, like that became like comedy gold forever. (laughs) And I believe that was Conan <laughs> O'Brien's idea while he was writing on The Simpsons. Yeah.
0: I would be surprised. He definitely revolutionized a bunch of different things on that show. For I just wanted to throw that there. fun fact in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the car explodes and that that's uh, then credits happen. Fun possible fact. I there's, guess. There's, there's no battle with the Chuds. There's just a blow <laughs> a truck blows up and you're like, Cool. It's over. Solved it. <laughs> We're it's done. over. Um this movie has a lot of uh when Joe Bob talked about it in his episode because he did shut by the way Joe Bob not a fan of this movie (laughs) Um, I don't understand uh he said that doesn't feel honest is why he doesn't like it he says it feels like a bunch of pretentious art people trying to make like almost like a joke in between I'm like hey we're gonna do a horror movie wouldn't that be crazy and then we'll like go on do our own thing but he actually brought up a lot of comparisons to another movie in my opinion a better film um which I never watch them side by side, but so if you watch them side by side, you can see a lot of things that Parnell Hall quote unquote heavily borrowed <laughs> from. Um, and that's "Cue the wing serpent from Larry Cohen. I could see that. Uh, where it's like this creature that's going to New York, but they see that movie is a very shoestring budget, but has a very New York kind of feel to it. It's a good movie. It's a great movie. Uh, we are big Larry Cohen fans here at, at blade and blade apples. Um, which we should we should uh, we're talking about doing some series type stuff. Maybe we're we'll gonna, do a Larry Cohen. We one. should do a Larry Cohen like just go down his filmography and do his stuff. But *Cue uh, the Wink* serpent is is a great fucking film. I love that one. Um, he also wrote the Maniac Cop films. He did the stuff. Uh, he did um, a bunch of black exploitation stuff. Uh, *Black Caesar*, *Hell Up in Harlem*, *Bone*. Larry he Cohen. He did *Bone*. Uh, the the Yifecoto film.
1: I didn't know that. Yeah.
0: Uh, he did, he did a lot of good stuff and, uh, he even wrote like later on, uh, he wrote the film phone booth with Colin Farrell, where he's Colin Farrell stuck in the phone booth and there's a, a sniper there. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. The sniper is like targeting him, uh, played by Kiefer Sutherland. Oh and, yeah. Uh, I have Colin seen Farrell's that movie. Stuck in the phone booth. That's like, a good movie. That's actually a very good Hitchcockian, like post Hitchcockian type film, throwback film that, that Larry Cohen was trying to get made for years and years. If you never seen Phone Booth, watch It's actually a very good thriller. It's very underrated. Yeah, it'll give you anxiety. Yeah, it's very anxious, and he's just, like, there's this kind of uh, – I can't remember what he does, but Colin Farrell is, is – I don't know if he's a businessman or, like, whatever, but – he has all these, like, lies that he's living, in, and it's and kind of forcing him to, like, open up about, like, all these different things in his life, and these, this affair he's having, and all this stuff. And it, Hold it's on. Just, let me get the trailer for fun. It's, right? very, <laughs> <laughs> it's very tense. It's, it's a very good movie. Um, Larry Cohen wrote that. Larry Cohen was was just uh, this amazing, like, DIY kind of guy that worked with a lot of people and very respected, and uh, he also wrote uh, uh, Uncle Sam. <laughs> He worked. He worked with fucking uh, Bill Lustig, another favorite of ours, quite a bit. He wrote all the Maniac Cop films. We and do love Uncle Bill Sam, <laughs> which is a great film, right? Uncle Sam wants you dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but we'll talk about Larry Cohen more. But he did Cue the Winged Serpent, which is very similar to Chud, in, in a structure type sense, but a way more interesting, compelling film, uh, I think. Uh, Chud is is it's a lot of it's a lot of talking.
1: Yeah, I, I, like I still love Chud, though.
0: It is. Uh, I, I don't hate Chud. I think it's fine. I'm not crazy about it. Some people, That that's a hill they want to die on. I think it has a big cultural... I
1: won't die on that hill, no. but I do
0: enjoy watching Chud um, because I like bad movies. Once upon a time, <laughs> 10 years ago, Criterion Collection put out a release that they were going to release Chud on Blu-ray. With a whole bunch of space for anybody that doesn't know what the criterion collection is criterion collection is a well-respected. I think now they've been around since like the early eighties, but they preserve art films and films they find important and deem important from different directors that are well-respected or different films that they feel need to be preserved. And they have a very, very, very respectable uh, filmography under the belt of different Blu-ray releases. Also, if you aren't subscribed to the criterion channel, and you love films, that is the best gift you can give yourself. Cause they're always putting amazing movies on. Them. They have a things streaming I've service. Yeah. Criterion channel. Which, oh, I had no idea. Which they had, they had a streaming service and it went down. They took it down because of different things. And then Edgar Wright, Guillermo del Toro, I think Steven Spielberg and Martin Scorsese and Jeez. a bunch of different other directors were like, no, you, they all like went out there. It's like, we need a Criterion channel. You guys need to make a new streaming service. It's, A great $10 to spend, guys. It's better than Netflix. It's better than uh, Hulu, whatever. Like, if you are a cinema lover, get Criterion Channel. I got to throw it out there. Hulu kind of (laughs) sucks. Hulu, Hulu has a lot of things. It's just fucking commercials and stuff. Oh, my God. The commercials are it's, insane. I, I, I use it. them for mainly TV shows, not not so much movies. Pretty much um, what we do in the shadows. Yeah. I mean,
1: Paige likes it because, like, the great and stuff are on there. So yeah. that's why Which I, isn't a bad show, really. I,
0: I don't have a problem with Hulu. I like it a lot better than I used to. I used to hate Hulu. Now, now I'm fine with it. But uh, Criterion Channel, check it out. <laughs> um, but they have this thing where, like, we're going to release Chud on Blu-ray. The whole bunch of uh, new restoration, and and it's going to be a whole bunch of special features and commentaries and everything. Chud. And then it was from April Fool's. <laughs> it was April Fool's joke. It's like, we yeah. would never release fucking Chud. Damn it! out of your fucking mind. But Arrow Arrow put out a Blu-ray of it with a whole bunch of special features See, and shit like that. I,
1: <sighs> I just want a channel of movies that are exactly like Chud. <laughs> just- well, that's what Tubi's for.
0: Y- good point <laughs> good point point. and it's all free i mean you get commercials but actually if you guys aren't on the tubi thing get
1: on tubi, tubi is free hell. and you can
0: find a lot of really fucking weird and like our under- next
1: episode will be suburban sasquatch
0: <laughs> yeah you can find a bunch of weird genre films for free and like things are hard to find i mean you're gonna get commercials with it but less like- than hulu though yeah less yeah. commercials than yeah, hulu for sure. the amount of stuff you can find for free on there is insane like you guys should definitely check out tubi also Arrow video Arrow has their own streaming service now also
1: but th- they also have a channel on tubi do they yeah they
0: have like a whole Where you Arrow, can find all this shit for free and they stuff.
1: have Arrow and shout factory that's
0: crazy yeah
1: for free get tubi jesus
0: Tubi's awesome i i i Never think about looking for stuff on there, but there's a lot of stuff we've talked about on this show that I think you can find Chud. I, you can watch Chud on Tubi for free right now. So if you guys haven't seen Is Chud, it, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I think it's maybe part of the Arrow. Um, okay. Maybe. Subsection also. I know we uh, watched it on VHS. Yeah, you have it on VHS, just like you watch Vampires a week before on VHS. Let's not talk about that. So, how does Chud <laughs> rank against vampires? Build uh, <laughs> up your new grading scale. If is we're vampires? comparing
1: things to vampires, I don't think anything will ever lose. <laughs> ever.
0: Is your favorite movie? No. <laughs> you give it a nine point five out of ten.
1: Yeah, Padre, that really gives me a woody. <laughs> does Chud give you a woody? I get some ebony from that, Padre.
0: Does does Chud give you a woody? More than
1: vampires, yes.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, the movie the movie has wants to be this very New York type thing. It does. It wants to be this dingy New York feeling. But there's a lot of like even uh, trauma films that came out that have more of a dingy. It's also trauma.
1: It I love trauma
0: I, I do too. Um, it has a d- dingy New York kind of feel to it, just because they're a dingy New York company that knows like low budget films. We can thank do you, Mister Kaufman. This uh this movie isn't sleazy enough to be entertaining and shocking enough to be fun. No boobs. No boobs. Uh, actually, there's a different cut of the film where there is boobs, but there's a shower scene with no boobs. And you gotta remember Roger Corman's rule: you gotta have boobs in a fucking horror film to bring the audience in. Roger Corman's rule is you had to have four topless scenes in a film if you want a male audience. <laughs> Which is a completely awful, sense That's a really horrible thing to say. <laughs> but also, look at the films of Roger Corman, <laughs> all the movies he's produced. And if you watch the movies he's produced, he actually sticks to that rule. <laughs> um, it's weird, because you go back and you watch all the stuff you do with Vincent Price, and you watch like A Bucket of Blood with like Dick Miller and stuff like that. Bloody that Mama. Yeah, bl- bl- well, Bloody Mama is actually a straight exploitation film. But I'm talking about like before Bloody Mama. The Raven, like, like, yeah, yeah, the Vincent Price Man stuff, with the X ray eyes, a bucket of blood, yeah, uh, uh, the original little shop of horrors. I mean, they were cheap, low budget films, and for the time, they were kind of sleazy. But not not the Vincent Price so much; I was very campy. But like as it went along, how sleazy his films kind of got because he knew what would sell. He's a great businessman. But we're getting off a tangent. Roger Corman, um, this movie doesn't have Roger Corman's rule <laughs> of having any boobs in it. Or a lot of gore. I mean, there's a couple of good makeup scenes. Or you see a chunk bitten out somebody's leg. You see a couple other things. Some after effects stuff. Yeah,
1: nothing really like out there. So if you're Especially like for a cannibal film, if
0: you're squeamish, you'll be okay. Yeah, you'll be you'll you'll probably be okay. For a cannibal movie, the amount of cannibalism in it is is it's not cannibal holocaust. Okay, <laughs> it's not. Thank goodness. It's not cannibal holocaust, which is one of the reasons why I don't eat meat anymore. <laughs> So. <laughs> no turtles or muskrats were hurt in the making is, of Chud, which I a, really appreciate. A highly offensive film by Ruggiero Diodato, but kind of a, a, a rite of passage film if you want to talk about exploitation or you want to talk about genre films. It's one of those movies you have to watch and probably be like offended by
1: because there are some scenes in that movie where I'm like, good God. like, And I I, I love gore and stuff like that, but... Killing animals on your set? No, I'm not cool with that.
0: No, no. It, it has a very important – it has an important place in genre it filmmaking. Does. Where, it does. It does. Where there's a history of something it does, including giving way to the found footage genre. Yeah. Um, it's one of the first things yeah. to do it, um, as well as everything is did, it, along with the filmmaking, all the scars and everything with it. Like, every ugly face of it and all the good that it does. Because it's actually – well made film. I think it does a lot of good things. No, also, yeah, it's
1: it's not a bad put together movie at yeah, all. It's, it's one of those
0: movies that, that you need to watch though as kind of a rite of passage. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's kinda like, let's see how much you're able to handle. <laughs>
0: yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um but that that you want a cannibal film to watch. This one's a cannibal film. It feels almost a by name only, because they get turned into mutants, which does that make him cannibal still technically? Because you aren't human they aren't eating the other mutants but they were human but like, they were but they aren't anymore I... shut up so they're <laughs> creatures so they're now they're creatures eating people so does that make them cannibals shut your mouth <laughs> shut
1: your stupid mouth <laughs> i'm not sorry <laughs> i'm
0: not sorry <laughs> um there is a positive in this. I don't know why I wrote this down. I was just looking down my notes, and I should have said this earlier. But um, there is a part where John Heard tells a joke to uh, this bag lady that he's been – like she's been kind of his eyes into this world while he's doing his photography of like all the homeless. So there's this like one lady that he's kind of been working with that's homeless also. Her and her – Boyfriend? Brother. Her brother, yeah. Victor, who, who, who are homeless. And he tells a joke to her. I can't remember what. He says something to her, and she reacts by laughing. And that may sound like, well, no shit. But here's the thing. It stuck out to me for this reason. I think I'm so used to like Marvel movies and stuff like that where every character is snarky.
1: And just tells a joke and tells nobody Tells jokes responds. all the time and
0: nobody reacts. They just, they just always have smart-ass like, one-liners and smart-ass things to say. And nobody reacts to it. It just keeps on going. And this weird thing in this movie is that John Hurt tells a joke. I, I can't remember what he says. I think it's about like her living down there or something like that. And she chuckles as a reaction to it. And it threw me off because I'm so used to just everybody being so smart, assly written all the time that nobody reacts to anything. It's just verbal diarrhea all the fucking time and none of it matters except to the audience. Rocky gives Chet a 10 out of 10. <laughs> no, just because of that I give a 10 10. It's just weird. It's just weird for somebody to tell a joke in a film and not respond to it. And she she's a good enough actress to where she responds to it and the, the her chuckle is genuine. Yeah. Which is weird cuz like it's just strange to have somebody tell a joke in a movie and there be such an honest reaction to something that's said. Instead of just, like, oh, look how smart our like, look how clever our fucking character is. Isn't that something? Here's another joke. Here's another joke. You know?
1: It's almost like an endless stream of jokes. That, yeah. It gets really old.
0: Yeah. And that's most movies. It's like, why does anybody react to, like, all this funny stuff being said? I know that's just how movies are. I I get it. That's just, like, film shorthand. But it's annoying. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's just a it's, small it, it's human moment. It's disingenuous. Yeah. And that that small part for some reason sticks out in my mind is being very genuine. I, I don't know why. But, uh... I mean, I do know why why I just explain, but I like
1: that you know, nobody
0: I mean, laughed like at James Wood's jokes and fucking vampires why? oh James Wood's wood jokes, yeah, it <laughs> was about having wood jokes. oh, we're gonna be coming back to the movie a lot uh, <laughs> uh,
1: I don't want to, but it's destined to happen. yes,
0: so uh, that's Do you have anything else to add about it? Do you have anything else in your notes? uh no, no, I think we covered. All we can of Judd. Yeah. Uh, give it a watch. You can watch it for free on Tubi. You can tell us your opinions. So, uh, but that's kind of how I feel about it. I think it's fine. It almost feels like Zat in a way.
1: Not Zat. Um, God, what is the name of that movie? We were watching it earlier. Uh. <coughs> bless bless <you>. me. <coughs> uh, bless you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, God, now I can't remember the name of the movie. It was it it, it was kind of the same thing. Like there was like this monster. Eh, fuck it. <laughs> fuck no. I don't. I don't have shit to say about Chud anymore. If you want
0: to watch a better version of Chud, watch Humanoids from the Deep from Roger Corman.
1: I disagree. That if I don't, that is a way <laughs>
0: sleazier movie. It's way more entertaining. It's highly offensive. Before you watch it, it is uh, it is upsetting. But this, I feel like Chud should have been Humanoids from the Deep. <laughs> That's a way more interesting film that, that kind of follows similar plot lines and plot threads. Or watch Q the Winged Serpent. Um, but anyways, I guess that leads us to our next segment. Another entry into Blaze's Cabinet of Video Game Curiosities. So, what are we pulling off the shelf today?
1: Uh, today... We have a game called My Friend is a Raven. Uh, It is developed and published by Two Star Games, who also, I think I've talked about it before, have an upcoming game I'm really excited about called Choo Choo Charles, where you fight a demonic train, which sounds ridiculous, but it actually looks pretty scary. Mm -hmm. Um, So My Friend is a Raven has like this um, almost hand-drawn look to it. It's black and white, very... uh, plague-based kind of game. You play as uh, uh, L- uh, Ludum, I think is his name. L-U-T-U-M. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the last person on Earth um, due to a plague caused by ravens. And throughout the game, uh, you can you can end this game four different ways. It's free, so it's, it's pretty short. You can get all four endings in a few hours if you're slow. I think I actually... I I think I got all four endings within four like an no like an hour.
0: <laughs> <laughs> really slow. Like one hour hours. for me, it took four days. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um, so you're seeking this sickened raven, um, and uh, who will come to you on the balcony? And uh, there's different ways you can uh, appease him. And there's um, y- you want to discuss why the ravens have brought down this like horrible plague on humanity and when you go through the game you can find out that the raven had originally asked you for help in a past life and you denied him and uh you can go through your old apartment um certain you can find the seeds for the bird you can find uh, a rat to give to him or a you can poison the rat to kill him like there's just different ways it can end but it is such a uh a very a novelistic kind of game. Like it is no, there is no like, oh man, I got to hurry through this. Oh man, there's a threat that's going to kill me or anything like that. It's just a, a slow kind of like a depressive feeling walkthrough of a game where you can read the poetry and stories of uh, why the plague has happened and all that kind of jazz. Yeah. It,
0: but, uh, you know, I showed you it. what do you think? Um, I think it looks very distinct uh, because it does look hand drawn. It looks like a fucked up, children's book yeah yeah um like the 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 drawings aren't very clean they're very scratchy scratchy, sketchy dark yeah and uh i I like the look of it um i i i think it is very distinct it looks way different from choo choo charlie because we watched the the trailer for that but in choo choo charlie it also seems like you come across people that are also hand drawn yeah but choo choo charlie and like the graphics are look, look like really really good for that game but you come across like ill Drawn characters and stuff. So, yeah, so it's, as well. it's,
1: I think that might be kind of a, like a noteworthy thing about two star games. I don't know if that's in all of their games. I, this is the first one by them I have played. Yeah, uh, but I enjoyed it, especially for a short ride. It, it, like if you have, you know, you're just looking for something to play on your laptop. It, it doesn't take a lot to. I think it's like only a few hundred megabytes to even get the game. Like not even a gig. But, um, you know, for free, it is a fun little story that you can go through and try different things um, whenever you have, like, a little bit of downtime and you want something kind of interesting. Yeah. So, and it's very fluent. Like, it moves very well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, I like the way it looks also. Um, My friend is a raven. Uh, it's actually the prequel to uh, another game of theirs called "My Friend Is a Rapist," which is a way different game. No, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I do not recommend you play that one. Next
1: episode: Santa Claus Serial Rapist <laughs> by Zebub. Well, the,
0: a movie that I literally that we bought. Yeah, you I lit bought, it on fire. I literally burn it <laughs> into a crisp. In the parking lot of the uh, old apartment complex we lived in. I was so pissed off at that movie. It we is a man paying women
1: to fondle them pretty much on camera.
0: <laughs> it is it is a pretentious movie of a guy saying why Christianity is fucking stupid for an hour and a half. Uh, why he awkwardly fondles women. And then their inner cut is... is, is, is S- scenes of Santa Claus uh, raping women. It, it is, is literally really hard to get through. It is offensive on a lot of different levels. Yeah, so. Um, if you couldn't tell by the title, it is not an, er- an entertaining uh, exploitation film. It is a pretentious, pretentious. It's more pretentious than exploitive. Because it's just like any, going to any fucking metal show and seeing, like getting in a conversation with that guy. We all know that guy, the guy that's, like, a complete gatekeeper and talking about, like, how stupid, like, religion, everything is bullshit and all this stuff. It's just, like, oh, my God. Like, dude, I'm I'm not a religious person, and I'm not, like, I get it. I fucking get it. Like, shut the fuck up. It is literally an hour and a half of that. (laughs) It is an hour and a half movie made by that guy. It is terrible. Awful movie. So, yeah, my friend is a raven. <laughs> yes. Play that instead. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's
1: actually pretty fun. So. Yes. Uh, all right. Is that all you have to say about that? Yeah, it, it's a really short one. So, you know, I, I was, uh, you know, I, tr- I tried to find something cannibalistic, and I know it was like the obvious one to go to was a game called The Forest where you're literally stranded on an island with cannibals and you mm-hmm. have to survive. But mm-hmm. uh, it is such a long-haul game. That I don't think I could give it a a good review with the time I had. Yeah.
0: Some upstairs? Dude, there's some something trying to burrow like upstairs on the roof. I'm about to go fucking throw a goddamn rock out. It's been pissing me off all day. (laughs) It's fucking driving me fucking nuts. Yeah, I was. uh, uh, Somebody called Nuke's top five. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) But anyways, that leaves us to our next segment while I go deal with this (laughs) mythology biology. So what story are we uh what story did you prep today?
1: Well, today uh I thought in the uh in the vein of cannibalism, <laughs> we would talk about the Brahma Raksha. Okay. Now, uh a Brahman Raksha is a demon behemoth titan in Hindu mythology. Uh, it is when a Brahmin, which is a teacher or scholar or religious, uh, teacher in uh, Hinduism of high birth dies, uh, withholding the knowledge they know or refusing to teach others the knowledge. Uh, so after death, uh, as a punishment for not sharing the knowledge, they become a Brahma Raksha, which is like a cannibalistic demon, almost vampiric. Um, and it comes from, uh, rakshas which are uh, little entities that uh brahma had the go- uh, one of the gods of hinduism uh had uh brought upon the land and vishnu ended up having to uh, uh i guess send them to earth because they immediately started trying to feed on the gods and they're like little vampire demons this one does
0: like well we should start small gods <laughs> that's <your laughs> eat
1: those real quick so, well, if it's made from a god, it's probably pretty strong. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so they are cannibalistic in nature, um, and they will try and stop uh, people from repenting or saying their Vedas, which are, you know, uh, Hindu scriptures and stuff like that. And they'll try and interrupt that and uh, throw people off into a bad path and then end up eating them. Hmm. So, yeah. Um, they're extremely powerful and they also retain the knowledge that they had in life, including the Vedas and Puranas. So, um, but at the same rate, if you can please a Brahma Raksha, it will grant you any boon you want, including money and gold and such like that to give you riches.
0: Okay. Yeah. Interesting.
1: So, uh, there was a story that I found, um, I was uh, of somebody uh, defeating a Brahma Raksha, and it's kind of a, a, the wording was very odd on it, so I think I got it right. But uh, there was a scholar named uh, Myro Bahada, and um, he had leprosy and went to repent at the temples, and was trying to recite his Vedas. And uh, a Brahma Raksha had appeared and was interrupting him and mocking him and copying the Vedas, which wouldn't let him get through it uh, because it would copy him in his exact voice. So the way he defeated it was by speaking the Vedas through his nose. Oh. Yeah. And okay. since the Brahma Raksha does not have a nose, even though the – okay. So the thing that was confusing to me is that the illustrations of Brahma Raksha's do have noses, but in the story they don't. And Mm -hmm. since the demon couldn't copy him, it was sent back to the tree that it had died under. So yeah, I guess just talk through your nose and you'll fuck them all up. Yeah. Right. (laughs) They get very confused at that. So yeah. Um, it is an interesting creature. I, I mean, there is so much interesting uh, folklore and myth in Hinduism. Oh, I, yeah, I sure. love Hinduism, so. But um, yeah,
0: that is what a Brahma Raksha is. We talked about a uh, another thing here through Hinduism. Yeah, the uh, preta. Yeah, the preta. Excuse me. The preta is uh, another thing that, that was originally based in Hinduism that went to Buddhism.
1: Yeah, and, and honestly, with this segment, I feel like we will be talking a lot about uh, a lot of uh, Asian folklore and uh, hindu buddhist faith mythology because, you know, Hinduism being, like, the oldest religion has so many stories and so many different, like, folklore myths and stuff like that. So we'll probably be revisiting that a lot because it's kind of easy to go to it and find something that relates to some entity we're talking about in the movies or something like that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 But yeah, Brahma Rakshas. Speak through your nose and you'll fuck them up. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, kids,
0: <laughs> this has been a PSA. Yep.
1: That good, a good old Uncle Blazer is teaching you how to <laughs> defeat demons. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> Call your daily exercises. Yep. Um, all right. Cool. Well, that is another episode of Bladed Apples, I guess. Yep. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we hope you guys had a good Thanksgiving. Uh, if if you celebrate, if you don't, I completely understand. It's kind of a uh, who gives a shit holiday. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> quite honestly. I, I don't know. It's it's not as exciting as Halloween or Christmas. I get it. Um, <laughs> but, well, we're uh, gonna have plenty of Christmas stuff coming up. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, we don't know what next episode will be, but it, it'll be it'll be something. <laughs> yeah,
1: maybe we'll. Uh... Maybe we'll try and do something when we're at the Spooky Empire Christmas pop-up. Yeah, it'll be, that's
0: two weeks from now, but yeah. Yeah, we, will, we, we had to figure something to do that weekend, but we got to figure out something to do the weekend before that first. Yes. Um, but if you guys do want to contact us with an idea or something you would like to hear or a comment, a concern, a question, we'll, we'll answer a question, you can reach us. You can reach us at Bladed Apples bladedapplespod at gmail.com. That's how you email us. You can reach us on the Instagram. You can reach us on the Facebook, uh, even though we, we don't use that as much as the Instagram. Um, I don't think a lot of people do anymore. <laughs> no. No, yeah, there's definitely been a decline. I wonder why. Um, even though we use Instagram, which is still owned by by them, but, but whatever. Um, but, yeah, you can reach us with comments, concerns, criticisms, uh, recommendations questions whatever you want uh, you said questions twice questions again <laughs> uh, if you got a question you can question us question us about questions if you're questioning then you can direct it at if, us y- yeah <laughs> um anyways yes that's it can reach us uh If you want to leave a review, you can leave a review on iTunes. You can leave us a review. Can you you review things on Spotify? I I think you can. On Amazon, you can leave us a review. If you want to recommend it to a friend, they recommend it. Uh, We're we're also on Stitcher. Yeah, on Stitcher, on Podbean, whatever whatever you're you're listening
1: on. Uh, Uh, Honestly, if you're on Android, let me give you a suggestion. I think Podbean runs smoother. Mm -hmm. So, leave us a review there.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, But yeah, thank you guys for listening, as always. And... uh, I want to give a thanks to Stephan Mize for doing our art. Give him a follow on Instagram um, under under Stephan Mize or Crawling Panther Tattoo Parlor out of Ocala, Florida. Um, he, he's amazing, cool guy. Love to have him on the episode in the future. And a uh, big horror fan and just a, an amazing artist. Uh, so give him a follow. Thanks to Blaze for being a great co-host and for doing the editing and all that stuff on here. I uh, couldn't do it without him. And, uh, yeah, anything to add? Nope. All right. Well, until next time, guys, remember, every day is Halloween, so please act accordingly. See you later. Bye.